it got me to a point where I was like, I'm going to literally have to ruin my life or I can let go of it. And whew, it's a good idea. And so I was finding in myself that I still mattered and that I still could make a difference. And that love started to well up in me. And I would say that if anything stayed, it was love. and correspondence about spiritual de- and reconstruction. Season 3, Episode 6, Valentine's Day. Kevin, welcome back. Many loves might come and go from your life, but you're kind of stuck with yourself. Partners, friends, even family members, anytime there's a loss, the dust settles and then there you are. And see, if I'm going to be my only constant companion through each moment of life, I need to be in good relationship with me. And that being the case, For those of us with some toxic theology and religiosity in our backgrounds, one of the most important things to grasp might be this. You aren't tarnished. You aren't hopelessly broken. You aren't born guilty and somehow cosmically at fault for death and entropy itself. You're just a person. You delight. You suffer. You survive. And hopefully, you love. A lot. But you didn't choose any of this. You just have to choose what you do with it. And whether you're reconstructing inside or outside of faith, that's a liberating thing to learn and to experience. In gain or in loss, in times of clarity, in times of everything being a blur, you are a compass. And you decide what that means and where it points you. Independence. Letting go. Humility, grounding, love. All of these themes resounded and repeated while curating the content of this episode. So let's get into those conversations and happy Valentine's Day to you. I didn't actually think too hard about this. Good. <laughs> until today, because uh, I would just make myself a ball of nerves. I sure. get like. I mean, better to shoot from the hip. Yeah. And it's life and it's like, I'm an overthinker. So me too. Um, basically 
I came from growing up not super religious. Hmm. Um, my my mom wasn't super religious. She got married into a family that's a little bit more religious, non-denominational, Christian, conservative in thought. And then, you know, over kind of the course of some terrible life events, my best friend being killed in a car accident and hmm. um, just other things, like kind of all around the same time, I started going to church. Not because of that. It was right before that. Hmm. But I, it, it was really kind of like a, I had to... She, my my best friend was either in hell or uh. like or not and i was very new so everything was very literal and i always struggled there was always like something in me where i was like i can't i cannot believe in a place called hell i i never will because my best friend is not there i know she's not hmm. i just i know she's not <laughs> and so i think that was i feel like my life raft for coming out, you know, out of the church environment, mm-hmm. um, because I, it was the first thing that I like was like, okay, I don't have to believe that anymore. <laughs> like, I don't even have to struggle with believing that wow. or thinking that or thinking that was a, a thing. So, um, when I stopped going to church, also a horrible <laughs> church event. We had a huge church split. It was like super dramatic, oh. and um, I just stopped going, hmm. and. When I stopped going, I found I was very alone. I was married at the time. Mm-hmm. My husband, his brother-in-law was the pastor of the church that had split. And so I was like, I felt like I was living like a double life, like a secret life where I was mm-hmm. like, I hate this. I don't want any part of this. I married into this. All of this kind of was also at the beginning of my eventual divorce. Mm. And I just didn't feel like I could talk about anything. I didn't, I felt like I, I didn't mm. know anything. Like I, I didn't know how to cope with anything because my best friend died when I was 18. And then I went into this church life and I had no way of really like, I didn't understand all the things that I was feeling. Mm. I felt alone. And the only community that I had, they were all in church one way or another. Right. And so I didn't really have anyone to talk to. (laughs) It was the first time. I I also have fairly codependent tendencies. Mm. So not having somebody to be like, do this um, was terrifying to me. Mm. And I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't like I had no idea what was going on. And so I I had some friends that I had actually pushed out of my life because they weren't a Christian. And so I contacted them and I was like... (laughs) I'm really sorry I did that to you. Can you please tell me something that you believe? Because I had uh, no other point of reference. I had nothing to wow, even like, go off of. Like what's <laughs> any alternative belief of any kind to anyone? Any, yeah, just give me a different shade of, I don't care what color it is, just throw something oh, at me so that I had yeah, uh, something. And so I just started kind of, I got a book on every religion. Hmm. I wasn't searching for anything. I just wanted to be able to have an intelligent conversation. Mm. <laughs> wasn't Christian lingo. Yeah. And just to have something. That was kind of where I started was just in my language and being able to converse comfortably with people that weren't in a church environment. Right. It took me a handful of years to even realize 
how pervasive the language <laughs> yeah. was all over everything I was everything. like there, there's so much there's so many code words and there's so mm-hmm. much random shorthand and I know that people in churches work hard to make things accessible and make things plain speak and things like that right. but you don't even realize how as plain as you can make it is still so it's already tainted in some so, like christianese it's or, so or whatever heavy in code yeah. words and language yeah, so it took me a while to even figure out that I was even doing it how, at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah. So you were kind of just looking for, like, let me at least read about some other things to even mix up the code languages yeah. with some other stuff to where at least it mm-hmm. doesn't, it's, it's less conspicuous. Exactly. And then from there, I realized the judgment. Mm-hmm. that I carried around um, for myself, for other people. And I was repulsed. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I, it was uncomfortable in my own skin, <laughs> the amount of judgment that just moved through me, ca- like came out of me. And I really, I don't feel like a judgmental person, but I like, even now still, sometimes I'm like, that was hideous. What mm-hmm. I my, that thought that I just <laughs> I don't know anything about that person. Mm-hmm. Why am I thinking this thing? But it's what my church environment did. Mm-hmm. It is if it's not this way, it's not, or you know, it doesn't fit into your mold, then it's not good or it's wrong or you know, you shouldn't be around it or what have you. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went to work on that because I didn't know what else really to do <laughs> with my time, and I was like, my marriage was like crumbling. I was a fairly new mom and. The other part of that was, you know, being alone. Most of my, like, core friends that I had, I mean, I expanded that, you know, for a period of time. And, mm. and now, luckily, all of my best friends are have gone through their own deconstruction and are working through their own reconstruction now. Mm-hmm. So I have my community back now. <laughs> mm. But at the time, I didn't even know how to, like, bounce ideas off of other people. I would try. And they're like, why are you stressing about this? <laughs> because uh-huh. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, do I sound mean? Like, did, did the, I was so concerned with that. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I was really working on that. And then, the, like, those Christian friends that I had, I think, thought I was just plummeting straight to right. this hell. Right. <laughs> I was just sure. running full force. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was hard to have a conversation on either side. Right. Um, so there was, a, there was a lot of loneliness. And, um, but in that, because I had been such a codependent person and, and not really able to process through difficult trauma or, or mm-hmm. hardships very well, um, I had to. The next thing I think I struggled the most with in my Christian world, God got all the credit for all the good stuff mm. and the devil got blamed for all the bad stuff. Or you. and Or me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was hard for me. I felt inside like, I'm doing this. Like, I'm, I'm breaking out of this mental prison yeah. that, that I had felt like I was in and to take credit for that. And that's when I feel maybe the whole language of, you know, loving myself mm. and 
really taking care of myself Hmm. started to get bigger in my mind and like in, in the conversations that I would have with myself of I'm important, I matter, I still matter. Mm. And because I, I lost that, like, you know, the church, the father, you're special and like you're made for a purpose. And like, right. because you lose that purpose, like you, you right. lose that like big purpose. And so I was finding in myself that I still mattered and that I still could make a difference. And that love started to well up in me. Mm. And I would say that if anything stayed, <laughs> It was love, hmm. and that's really the thing that uh, th- that's my engine hmm. in this new life that I'm living. Is if it doesn't line up with love, it's not for me. Hmm. I, it doesn't. It's that's not in alignment with my integrity or you know who I am. Yeah. I changed those like Christian morals for just my own integrity. Like what. Yeah. Makes me feel proud. What's my son going to be proud of of me? Yeah. I don't see that I have someone over me as like, you know, like a supreme taskmaster that like is judging every, it's me. I'm, I'm judging myself. That's right. And my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So that love really just, it was comforting because it was familiar. Hmm. Um, I mean, I guess some people say love is that's the religion is love mm-hmm. um i just say love is you know the river that i'm floating on yeah because <laughs> it sounds nice and i can stay in it <laughs> that's for as right. long as i want well and the thing is like and ultimately i feel like that's what maybe everyone even christians are or people of religion are unknowingly doing <laughs> is there might be external guidelines and things that they are being told or they're given some interpretation of things that are telling them the way that they're supposed to be behaving. But ultimately, mm-hmm. everybody, if there's something that's fundamentally out of sync between an instinct someone has and a behavior that's laid out in the Bible, most people will interpret their, their way around that. Right. And, and so, yeah. so, so I'm, I'm just imagining people who maybe are still on the more religious side of this whole conversation, hearing that and thinking, oh, and so I guess now you just think you're the authority on what's good in the world and and what love (laughs) means, any particular, it's like, well, no, that's, so are you. Like everybody, yeah, everybody is weighing things. Even someone's understanding of religion or spirituality is still ultimately subject to their own faculties of being able mm-hmm. to discern, understand it through their own experience, through their own emotions, through their own... That's like religious people have not found some way to subvert their own logic and experience and emotions in weighing out the truth. Right. And and so you and I are doing it the way anyone else. Yeah. What I felt for me was that I I don't know everything. <laughs> and even if I, even if I believed... Right. In all of the things that I previously believed, I still don't believe everything, you know, right. or I, I don't know everything I should say. I don't, I don't know if what I believe is, I don't know if the, the way that I'm understanding it is right. I don't know, like, I don't know anything right. <laughs> except for, you know, right now I have the opportunity to do the absolute best that I can with what I have and what I know. Yeah. And I mean, that is what I do every yeah. day. 
that's the the yes that's my filter that's my lens and that you know that's it's not different and I get like that's the thing that kind of like blows my mind a little bit it's not Mm -hmm. it's not different than from what I was previously doing it just feels freer and more loving yeah it does and and what's resonant with me about that is like I know that in my practice of Christianity and a lot of what I observed in my community at least was that it's really hard when you are trying to believe in and adhere to something that is objectively externally true that is the objective truth in the universe and everything that is not it is objectively untrue and false and when you're mm-hmm. when you're doing that you're trying to like reckon with that every day and you're like you're having to meet people and read news and interact with situations where you're having to bring it all back and see how it measures against this external objectively true thing um, mm-hmm. that's laid out for you in this book that it's really hard to not get rigid to the extent that you're really unable to come into new information right um, lot, like I know that like a lot of my Christian friends it's really hard for them to come into any new information if it seems to be any threat to or run counter in any way to something that they have accepted as objectively true. Right. And so to suddenly approach and like what you're saying, it's not that fundamentally different the way you're living other than if I'm, if I'm hearing it correctly, like coming at it with a sense of humility and uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't perceive to know, a thing. <laughs> right. And, and being like open, having massive amounts of curiosity and keeping my curiosity alive, not, I, I can't count probably how many times I've changed. Like if someone were to ask me at any point, like, do you believe in God? Do you like, what do you, how do you mm-hmm. feel about, you know, Jesus Christ? Like, what, are you Buddhist? Are you, what? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I could probably say yes that I've said on one thing or another at any point right. in the past, you know, f- four years, because every time I learn something, I'm like, Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> I yeah. like that. And, and my son, he's not, he just turned nine and we've mm. been having these conversations <laughs> too, because he's his dad's new fiance is um, Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so now my son has this language uh, that he you know, brings back to me just a trigger after trigger. I'm like, oh, uh, uh. oh, like what, what, like the language he was using you, with you that you were hearing. That I was previous. Yeah. I think I said hell or something like that. And he goes, um, that's where you go if you don't believe in God. Ooh. And I was like, honey, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I said, well, some people believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that you will keep your mind open and, um, because that's not what everybody believes. We had this whole conversation about, you know, I was trying to just explain to him that it's personal and that he doesn't have to believe something because someone tells him one thing mm-hmm. and he can stay curious and he can make up his own mind. And it can be, you know, if there's God or if there's, you know, something bigger, I don't know. Right. I, you know, I, I feel like there is something benevolent out there in the universe or, you know, whatever mm. I, sometimes I say universe, sometimes I say the great mother, sometimes mm-hmm. I say God, you know, from time to time, 
that one is still a little like I still feel yes. weird <laughs> because I don't know. But my whole point with him was it's yours. It's yours yeah. to decide what to believe. And what I was so immediately appealing to me when I when I was kind of out listening and, and exploring different ideas and trying them all on was <laughs> there are only a few that claim to be the only, you know, the Exclusive. only way. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so repelled by mm. that idea because it feels so lonely. It feels mm-hmm. so isolated. And so like I, we were human beings, we're relational people. And I, I feel like it's a secret club mm. that you, you know, unless you do everything right like you don't get to really be a part of or and you know, kind of and, and kind of fundamentally man-made like yeah. like oh that like that sounds like something that men would impose on something <laughs> yeah. it's like oh yeah all yeah. this but also there are these the, there are these tall walls up around it and you're either in mm-hmm. it or you're out of it and if you're out of it then there's screwed. nothing and you're out and you're screwed. <laughs> there's nothing. And so yeah, there's nothing you, for you. So like you you're yeah. either in or you're out and it's rigid and that just sounds like an unenlightened like I, I can't imagine that if there was a god worth worshiping that that would be part of the That would be his structure. club. Yeah, like he wouldn't <laughs> kind of. But I mean I I resonate very you know cuz I have young kids too and I resonate very much with with that approach in terms of just I mean you know my my what I like to say a lot is the word maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, well, maybe that's how yeah. things work. I, I you know, it, 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 I'm, I, I'm not going to say that it, that it's not. And, mm-hmm. um, and like you said, you know, like, you know, that's, uh, there are a lot of different folks who believe a lot of different ways about that. And, and, and may, maybe that, maybe that way. Um, but, you know, it might be interesting to talk about some of the other things that people, you know, um, believe about the same thing and just kind of see what rings true to you and see if that makes sense. Because I think it keeps us humble and it keeps us in a posture to come into new information, even information mm-hmm. that could completely, as you've said, turn our entire spiritual worldview in an afternoon if we come into persuasive enough new information or new experience. Right. And that's the thing that I, th- I found it very extremely difficult to do when I was a in Christian. That mindset. And, yeah. and what a lot of my Christian friends are like, oh, no, I mean, I want to hear all about your experience and your story, but, but up to a certain point... <laughs> Yeah, if yeah. it if it's going to contradict or potentially pull them out of the walls of certainty that they find themselves in, in a lot of, many times in Christianity, they will go no further. And I want to, and I and I feel like I need to be able to go further. Like I, I, if the thing is real and if it's true, there won't be a distance so great that I would go asking those kinds of questions and following the thread of those doubts that would be perilous. You know what I mean? Right. And, yeah. and that's what I'm enjoying about being free of that certainty. Yes. And it sounds like you are too. Yeah. That it, it's, it feels light and it feels, yeah. um, it feels more like a fun adventure rather than yes. like the scary. The constant burden um, of having to bring everything in line with a rigid yeah. objective truth, most of which seems to kind of make no sense. See, <laughs> Yes, that's perfect.
How's it going? Ah, uh, pretty good. Um, you know, it's Sunday and I didn't go to church, so So I mean <laughs> So you're already <laughs> off to the perfect possible start for this conversation, definitely. <laughs> yep, yep. When I came across your uh, little contact card that you had submitted, um, there were certain elements that were like deeply resonant for me. And, and I've only just recently started speaking about, not even just publicly, like just in my last session with my therapist, I brought up my OCD and how it had how it manifested as um, trichotillomania, like later down the road. And he And he literally was like, we first started working together over two years ago. How have I never heard this from you? And I was like, because shame, because I was... <laughs> hiding it because I wasn't going to tell you about it. And then also I was like, well, because when I started writing about religious trauma for the last year and a half of my thesis, it showed up more. So it was more on the radar. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I just, I feel, I felt particularly resonant. And so I'm really glad that I got to claim you for a conversation. So yeah, I would love to hear, um, yeah, just hear about your, your experience kind of you know, briefly like within it and what it felt like in that world. But I would love to talk more about, you know, where you are now and kind of that process of kind of coming home to yourself, coming home to your body in the midst of, of, you know, kind of dealing with some things regarding your relationship towards your mental health and physical health. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so for me, like OCD is one of those things that it's (laughs) shows up in so many different ways that Mm -hmm. it's really hard to you know, it's like even kind of absurd to have that category almost, mm-hmm. you know, um, because like for me, you know, everyone always thinks OCD is like being really freaked out about having everything be neat or whatever. But yeah. it was um, religious OCD, yes. which is called scrupulosity um, generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, um, essentially, I saw sin everywhere and wow. um, there was just so much shame attached to uh, thinking, um, (laughs) just almost period, just thinking, um, having emotions. So like, for example, when, like before deconstruction, even kind of when I was a kid, I would, you know, I found out that like something was bad to do. And so then I would just have just obsessions about what if I did that thing? And, um, so like, what if I sold my soul to the devil? <laughs> yeah. What if I did it and didn't even know that I did it? Because what if there's an accidental way to do it? How do I know that my thoughts haven't just led me astray into? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's such a relief to talk to you because I don't have to explain everything. <laughs> no, I totally get it. That's the shit that would keep me up at night when I was like eight years old. Was like how? But how do I know? You know that whole verse about like the only unforgivable sin is if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And I was oh, like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I was like, what if I did it on accident and I will never be okay? I was too afraid. I wrote about this in my thesis. I was too afraid to attend the Catholic church service with my neighbors across the street. I spent the night at their house on a Saturday night, just didn't realize that I was waking up there on a Sunday. And I had a full on meltdown because I kept having these vivid visions that they were like, if I did the things and, and they, you know, like participated in the rituals or whatever that I just, I was, I can't even like, they feel so real to me now. Just thinking about what I was envisioning then as a child that I was like, 
God will see me doing this. And because my evangelical upbringing told me that Catholics aren't actually Christians and they're super deceived by the devil because they think they are and all this, I was so, I panicked because I was like, that's going to count against me and I'll never get into heaven and I'll never be okay. And I panicked so much that the mother now looking back, I'm like, that was probably embarrassing and I should apologize to her. But at the time I was like, survival. So they called my parents to come pick me up. Because I refused yeah. to go to church with them. Yeah. And I was like eight. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You good evangelical you. <laughs> I was so good at it that it was really fucking harmful. <laughs> mm, no, I was good at it too. That's the thing. Like, I, I laugh about it now because I spent all the time that I was a Christian. I wasn't technically evangelical, but you can't live in the South without yeah. getting some of that culture. Um, and... Uh, I spent all of my time in that Christian world being terrified that I wasn't a Christian. Wow. And looking back on it, I'm like, oh, I was not only Christian, I was a good one. <laughs> I was doing the damn thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, coming out of that was, I kind of had a crisis, right? I mean, yeah. I think most stories have like a breaking point or whatever. And, you know, I won't go too deep into it, I guess, but Essentially, I realized that the way I was thinking was not normal. I don't know if you had that moment where you just kind of like, huh, maybe this needs to be addressed somehow. You know what I mean? And what got me through it was like my mom, you know, Uh, I just sat there and told her literally every intrusive thought I was having as they came and like, Some of them are violent and disturbing and weird and just absurd and terrifying. And the whole time, you know, I just like hated myself. Right. And um, she just kind of interrupted it and said what our uh, priest always said after communion, which is God forgives you, forgive others, forgive yourself. Right. Yeah. And uh, that shut the OCD up. And I thought at the time that I finally had understood the nature of God's love, but (laughs) Um, really, I think I just knew that um, people loved me unconditionally. Yeah. And that's what gave me the strength to, even though at the time I didn't know I had OCD, not trust those obsessions and feelings and thoughts. And, you know, like even post deconstruction, that was the beginning of a thread that I unraveled, but like that theme of telling people what I'm going through and then not having them get terrified of me. Yes. (laughs) That's what keeps me going, you know? Yeah. What has happened to, because with that scrupulosity and I, I already like can't wait for this conversation to air because I have so many friends that I've had this exact conversation Mm -hmm. with who, when they learned that word, they were like, that was me. And it like offered them so much freedom. Um, for you, well, I guess two part question, where do you find yourself now as far as your relationship towards belief and like religious belief or Mm -hmm. spiritual practice? And then how, I guess, how does that connect with the way that you live with OCD now? Um, like what has changed? Like if, like, for example, like if those like really, dangerous feeling visions of being tortured by God, like aren't there anymore. Cause maybe you don't believe that about God anymore. Like what, you know, 
where it, when they went, what else showed up? You know, if that if that disappeared, did something mm-hmm. better and more kind of embodied and safer show up in its in its place, or are there still elements of of that scrupulosity that you deal with in regards to what you believe now? Well, um, so essentially, what happened is that I learned to say, you know, screw you to all of my <laughs> obsessions, and that's a story in and of itself. Yeah. But um, it's shocking how much clarity and space I had as soon as I learned to do that. Like I was wow. literally dancing around the house. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. That sounds so free. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I was so happy and I had so much more work to do in just life in general, but there was this massive space where I just felt free to not worry about who I was anymore. And I think ultimately I've just learned to not pay too much attention to what I'm scared of and um, focus on what's around me. Yeah. Of course, the unfortunate thing is that um, as soon as I, like I was able to enjoy maybe a year with minimal OCD, Mm. intrusive thoughts, et cetera. And then it's almost like this parasite that morphed Mm. realizing that I had found a way to fight that. And now it's, different kinds of obsessions and, you know, fears, but I know exactly what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. So it's easier to deal with. Plus I know how to ask for help and how to say what I'm going through. Mm. But I think, you know, more than anything, like when you imagine yourself as a monster and like fully believe that for a long time and, um, (laughs) like, when I was young, I thought I would grow up and I would probably kill somebody because I was evil. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I like, mean, what, what? you're not given an option to be not evil. Like, yeah. I, I literally, girl, I literally processed this with my therapist yesterday where I was reading him this salvation narrative that I have that it was going to be the intro to my thesis, but I took it out because I don't think my body was ready to like share this yet. But it was what I remember about the day I got saved as, as a six-year-old. And what you just said reminded me of a line that I wrote in it, essentially this idea that, you know, I learned in that moment, like all that religion and belief had been to me was just like fun Bible stories. And suddenly in this moment, I was confronted, I was told I was evil at six years Mm -hmm. old. You're just told you're evil and you can't opt out of being evil. There's no, you can't be good even if you want to be. And that... Honestly, Mm -hmm. on some level, I remember, and maybe you heard this too as a kid, where I was told so often I was taking it too seriously. And I was like, no, no, no. This is the logical (laughs) conclusion. You guys aren't taking this seriously enough. You tell me I'm evil, I'm going to assume I'm the most evil I could be. You tell me hell is a place, I don't know how you guys just go to a nine to five every day. You're making fun of the street preacher. He's taking this shit seriously. So I I feel you. Like I'm kind of thankful for it because if there's any way to reach the, like, utterly logical like mental health problems are nothing if not logical and that's what makes you crazy Uh and I mean that like I don't mean that in a stigma way I just mean like you're not thinking in a way that's going to be conducive to health because there's nothing but logic there yeah like I spent um like a couple weeks just you know on this OCD filled research craze trying to figure out why I shouldn't right now sell everything I had and go door to door evangelizing because there are people who live near me who are going to hell. Right. And so when people come at me and they're like you know trying to preach some theology, I just kind of like 
I believe this more than you do. And yeah. it got me to a point where I was like, I'm going to literally have to ruin my life or I can let go of it. Yes. And there's an idea. There's an idea. And whew, it's a good idea. It's a very good <laughs> idea. The cut off was so clean yeah. just because it was so visceral and like, you know, it, like I'm almost thankful it was such an emotional thing because mm. there's no looking back. Yeah. I mean, you felt the pain, you felt the mm. loss, you processed through how hard it was. And I think that in letting those things go, when the stakes are so high that you might like lose family members or lose your community or lose whatever in order to quote deconstruct mm. and you say it's worth it. I have to do it anyway because I have to choose myself. Then when you are on the other side, like you said, it, it hurt and so I'll never look back. Like I already right. I felt the value of the thing because I lost something. You know, being on this side of it is so meaningful now. Just giving myself grace to change, yeah. I think has, um, it's not easy yeah. At all. And, you know, sometimes I think you're, you get so used to, at least, you know, from my background, you know, doing things, if you're in favor with or you have God's favor, mm. then, you know, these good things will happen. And, you know, life sucks sometimes. Yeah. And just being able to say, you know, today actually sucks. And yeah. it's nobody's fault. It's life. Life can be difficult. I'm, you know, facing challenges and yep. and hitting a ceiling here and you I'm know, not mad at anybody and, about it I'm not I, gonna, I'm not mad it's no one's fault it's I'm not, not gonna go fault. and I didn't do anything yeah. wrong yeah just being so gracious with myself has allowed for those days to not hurt so much and mm. not be so confusing yeah um I also do a lot of just sitting like I, I go into nature a lot I sit and I look at water I you know sometimes I take my shoes off and I just put them on my my bare feet on the ground and just become part of you know this in, w whatever environment that I'm in mm. and just allow things to be to be bigger than me because mm. I feel like sometimes that's a thing that I kind of miss in you know my my world getting bigger and not being like a pea in a Christian kingdom, <laughs> um, yes. but letting my my world expand sometimes feels a little bit scary. But if I go and I make myself you know part of a bigger thing, part of the earth, it's grounding and it's mm. it gives that like big feeling, but without having it be something that's invisible and unknown and you know and something that I can see and something that I'm part of um, so mm. those are practices that you know when I'm feeling overwhelmed or I, I am feeling kind of just <laughs> drifting like yeah. I like I don't um, know what to feel anchor right. to you mm -hmm. yeah um, those are some things that I do and just meditation I think has been like I mean that is something mm. maybe I would have previously called prayer yeah. Even just being quiet and listening to my own breath, uh, and that's yeah. it, is yeah. so restorative for me. Um, mm. And then, and it just gives me a second to kind of get focused and process through. It's good. The thoughts that come. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely have heard you talk a lot about like um, developing a new relationship with yourself and a new mm-hmm. way to see and judge or not judge yourself. And I read this, I don't even remember where I read it, but I read this quote, I think from a Christian source even, but talking about how the way that you respond to other people's the, 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 so, the, so trigger warning, I guess, with some of the, some of these words, but the, <laughs> okay. the the way you respond to other people's sin speaks in every way to the way that you see God's response to yours, mm-hmm. and and I find that so ironic, considering, um, <laughs> like the you know, I, I apparently there are a lot of there are a lot of folks who really think you know that God just hates the shit out of them. And despite all the work of Jesus on the cross, apparently he's really angry and really judgmental still um, because Mm -hmm. that's how they tend, you know, that's how you can observe a lot of people responding to a lot of other people. And so, um, but I think that if you kind of follow that thread to the way that maybe you are able to approach and give grace to yourself now, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just interesting to think about. And I think it's like, you don't realize how much it has to do with the way you might have seen yourself before and the way that you might have withheld that kind of grace from Yeah. Oh, no, for before. sure. For sure. I was not ever nice to myself. Yeah. Which I think is like a lot of why, as you said, as you said earlier, like why it, it, that might have been a lot of the motivation for your being fundamentally judgmental of mm-hmm. of other people in certain circumstances was because right. you were never harder on them than you were being on yourself. Right. And it was always usually something that I didn't like about myself that I was calling out in them. I mean, that, which is always that's, what that's a human thing. Yeah, that's right. That's the thing. It just was like I was judging them on like an eternal yeah. level, you know, yeah. like, ugh. yeah, the more private shame you feel the more public shame you display, right? Right. You know, like yeah. especially very specific things. I mean, I you and you've seen that all over the church's history too. And so oh, Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. Popular thing. There's something very like you said something very wonderful about not needing to really explain yourself to someone who has like felt the same thing. And that's how I felt when I saw your, your like, tell us a little bit about yourself come through. And I'm, I'm so happy for you and for us that we are no longer inside of a belief system that literally, I mean, was actively causing us harm. And in some sense was actively caught, at least me, I do, I can speak for myself, was actively causing me to harm myself for about 15 years. And so I'm, I'm glad you're out. I'm glad you're free. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we got to connect and meet on this side of all of that and, and find ourselves in this space. Well, thank you, Jamie. And, you know, all the best. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> it's very good to meet you. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. All right. Bye. Bye. I mean, I'm so grateful that you'd be willing to you know, to share yeah, that. And, and, I, and I really do think, you know, that folks who are hear some of their story told in yours are going to be really encouraged by that. And I, I appreciate what you guys are doing too, because 
I mean, if there were podcasts when I was going through this right. and I heard this, like it was just been like a, a fast track through the process. Well, it's like that moment so, that you were talking about when you're like just going to random friends and saying, just tell me something you believe. Yeah, tell me and let anything. Me just hear, I don't care what it is. Right, let me just hear it. what that sounds like to hear you yeah. believe something that's different than what I've believed or mm -hmm. previously believed. And, yeah. you know, we got plenty of that here. <laughs> I know. I love it. So I, I, I've, I'm like on my second round through the first two seasons. Oh, <laughs> I just love it. Well, that means Good. so much. Good well, stuff. well, so th and thanks for your contribution to it. And, of course. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, I hope to, I hope to speak again. Yes, of course. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Derek. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you found some resonance with the conversations this week, maybe some echoes of your own story. We are completely listener-supported, so check us out on Patreon if you want to help with the work of putting all of it together. Tons of bonus content there for our patrons. Our producer Jamie's book is now out in physical form, so if you've been waiting for that or enjoying the audio snippets that we've been featuring in most of the episodes this season, head to jamieleefinch.com to snag a copy. Our producer Derek's music and live dates are at DerekWeb.com. And you can hit us up on social media or check out our website for all official content and ways to connect. And that's all for now. So we will see you again next week after church for the airing of grief.